Bibles to Revelation chapter 20. Uh, getting to, are still in really, the climactic part of this wonderful book of the Bible. And I'll be honest, when we began our study or when I kind of came to the decision to do the book of Revelation, this was the part of the book that I was looking forward to the most. Revelation chapter 20. As it, this, uh, this passage of Scripture really uh, encapsulates or can encapsulate what you think about the Bible and how it should be interpreted. Because, uh, and part of the reason is because there's so much disagreement among people as to what these words actually mean. But hopefully, in our uh, Scripture reading, you got one of the main themes. I tried to emphasize it there as I was reading it. it there's a phrase in there that's mentioned about six times. And as we have seen many, many times when we study the Bible, there are points that are repeated in passages. And there's a reason for that. God loves to emphasize points in Scripture by repeating them because he, he knows us. He knows us better than, than we know ourselves, and he knows that we need to hear things over and over and over in order to have them cemented into our brains, like the Gospel of John, for example, that says literally 100 times how to have eternal life. Believe, 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 over and over and over, 100 times in one book of the Bible it tells us that the only condition of salvation is believing that Jesus Christ died for your sins. And when you do that, you move from death into life. You have eternal life, present tense. It's in your hands. If you will only believe, trust in Christ and what he did for you on the cross, you can have salvation. Well, the book, the chapter 20 of the book of Revelation repeats something six times in it. And that is that there is a period of time that will last 1,000 years. And it is on the earth. It is what we call the millennial kingdom. And here in this passage, it says that Christ and believers will reign on the earth for 1,000 years. And I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but Satan will be bound for 1,000 years. And when the thousand years are over, he'll be released for a short time. We'll get to all of that in more detail. Nevertheless, there are some things in this passage that are mentioned that aren't accepted by theologians. And I find it uh, rather baffling as to why. And there are three major concepts that are under assault in Christianity that are all mentioned in this chapter that could not be any more plain. One of those is the devil. Ah, he doesn't. He, it's just a, he's just a fable. The devil doesn't really exist. Well, that's interesting. He's mentioned here several times. He's even given three names. Repetition, repetition, repetition. Yes, the devil is real. He is a real entity. Hell, oh, hell doesn't exist. That's old-fashioned. Uh, you know... Come on, 
a loving God wouldn't cast people into hell? The lake of fire, the abyss, all of those things are mentioned here over and over and over. Throughout the book of Revelation, we've seen the lake of fire. We've seen the abyss several times. We see it here again mentioned over and over and over. There is a real place and punishment for sin for those who will not believe in Christ. And finally, the thousand years. It's mentioned here six times, a a literal span of time. So the title of our message is The Devil, the Abyss, and 1,000 Years. Three things that are very important for Christianity, very important for the Bible, for our acceptance of what Scripture says that are all under assault. And, oh, I've been waiting for this for months, and I didn't do it. I just realized we have moved from uh, the tribulation and second coming to the millennial kingdom and great white throne judgment. What a bust. Uh, (laughs) We have been in this portion of the book, the the things which take place after these things that uh, are outlined for the book of Revelation comes from Revelation 1.19. John wrote the things which you have seen, chapter 1, vision of the risen Christ, the authority behind the book, the things which are, he was to write about, chapters 2 and 3, letters to literal churches that existed in the first century, uh, uh, not different time periods of the church age. That's not what chapters 2 and 3 are about. They are literal letters written to literal churches that existed then that, of course, have application to us today. All of them do have application to us today uh, in, in the time period in which we are living because we're a church also. The church in Ephesus, the church in Smyrna and Thyatira and Philadelphia, they all had issues just like we have issues personally and as a church body. And so we need to correct those things. That's the things which are. And then he was to write the things which will take place after these things. Chapters 4 all the way to the end of the book. Uh, We've spent many, many months talking about the tribulation and the second coming, and we'll probably do a little bit more of that today. We'll uh, do a brief review. Now we find ourselves in the millennial kingdom, the 1,000-year kingdom. That's what a millennium is. We all know that. That's interesting, growing up or uh, living in a time when we've switched millenniums. We went uh, into a new millennium. Now everybody knows. what. We even have an entire group of people who are known as millennials. Everybody knows what a millennium is now. When I was a kid, I, you know, millennium. Who You'd have to know something to even know what that word means. But Uh, So that's a good thing. Now we all know what a millennium is. It's a thousand years, and there's coming a time period in the future of a thousand years with Christ ruling and reigning on the earth, and that's going to be our subject for the next uh, several weeks. But Revelation 19 is all about, beginning in verse 11 at any rate, is all about the second coming of Christ to the earth. Another, a literal event that is talked about here and described in great detail. Jesus Christ returning to the earth the same way that he left. That's what he promised to do, or the angel said that he would do in the book of Acts when 
The apostles are standing there gaping up into the sky as Jesus leaves the earth bodily. The angel says to them, why, what are you doing? Why are you staring into the sky? That same Jesus will return to the earth the same way that he left, physically, bodily, visually. It's a real event that will take place. That's what's described. Beginning in verse 11 of Revelation 19, he's physically going to appear again. He, he is, uh, and he's coming to rule and to reign. So his eyes are like a flame of fire. He's, he's sovereign. He has these crowns, as they're mentioned in verse 12. He's clothed in a, in a robe dipped in blood because he's coming to judge and to wage war. That's what that's representative of there. And he has several names. He's, uh, his name is called the Word of God. He's faithful. He's true. He has a name that people don't, that you don't know, that is kind of a secret at that point in time. He's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Uh, we saw all of that and the significance of his names. He is, he's, his name is what he's known by. Or his name is, is who he is. He's known by who he is and what he is. And then we saw the armies of heaven that will accompany him. They're spectators. They're riding on the white horses. They're dressed in robes of white. These are believers. People who have trusted in Christ, we saw, will be coming again with him when he comes to the earth. And he's going to use a sword to strike down the nations. The sword is, it comes from his mouth. It's his very word. Uh, he's going to strike the nations. In other words, he's going to speak and they're going to die. The same way that he spoke and created the world, he's going to end the lives of these people. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords who's coming again. And when he comes, there's going to be this uh, calling to the birds who are going to assemble and literally eat the flesh of those who have been killed. And then the beast, that, that is the Antichrist and the false prophet who we studied earlier in the book of Revelation, these two who are going to be leading the world in this great deception that is coming during the tribulation period are going to be the first people cast into the lake of fire, this real place that exists. And one of our main takeaways, if you don't take away anything, well, I want you to take away several things <laughs> from this. This is a real event. It's going to take place. It's at the end of a real tribulation that is described in great detail in verses chapter 6 through 19. Uh, and it, it's actually going to take place. Another thing that we need to understand is this is not describing the rapture of the church. There is no resurrection here. There is only death. There is no... Uh, taking of believers out of the world. There is only believers coming with Christ back to the earth. Uh, it's literally on the earth. The rapture is in the air. Uh, there's no mention of people being delivered uh, uh, for the purpose of righteousness because they have believed, there's no mention of that. Only judgment for the wicked. No resurrection, only death. He's coming to rescue in the rapture, rescue us from the wrath that is to come. Revelation uh, 3, 21, 
Romans 5, 9, many places. Here he's coming to rule. The rapture is an imminent event. It can happen at any time. Uh, this is obviously preceded by signs. We've spent about a year, pretty much literally, uh, studying the signs that will precede this second coming. The rapture is a comfort. That There is nothing comforting for people who are on the earth when Christ is coming here. Uh, at least the unbelievers, there is, no, there is no comfort whatsoever. It is a warning to them. And in fact, it's a warning to believers who will be on the earth as well. Get ready. Christ is coming again to this earth to rule and to reign. You want to be found in his good favor at that point in time. It is a warning. And so that brings us to chapter 20 today. The devil, the abyss, and a thousand years. We'll look at a sequence of events. We'll see it from the language. There is a sequence of events that is, is being laid out for us here. And Satan will be bound. Does anybody think that Satan is bound today in this world? Uh, we spent some time this morning looking at some articles. It's very clear that Satan is not bound in this world. And are the saints reigning, ruling and reigning with Christ today? Uh, go, go talk to the believers in Iraq or Syria and see whether or not they're reigning. Pretty much only, only Americans would be foolish enough to think that we're actually reigning in this world today. But we begin with this sequence of events, a very clear sequence. One thing happens, then another, and then, and then. It's very just laid out very clearly for us. Notice again, Revelation 20 and verse 1, it says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding the key of the abyss and a great chain in his hand. And I could go on and read more, but it's it just very clear that there is this sequence of events, particularly that this chapter 20 is different than what we are reading about in chapter 19. Some are going to come to this text and say, oh, this is just uh, a recapitulation, is the technical term, of chapter 19. This is just retelling Jesus coming again to the earth. But the problem with that is that this little word, chi, in the Greek is sometimes translated as and. Here it is translated as then. It, it is showing a connection between what has just taken place and what is being described now. Uh, oftentimes it can be and then translated. That's what the term means. It, it is either joining two things together into one group or it's laying out a sequence of events and it's very clear that this is a sequence of events that is being laid out here for us, not a retelling of Revelation 19:11 through 21. This is what the amillennialist will want you to believe. Now we are going to we'll go into exactly what that is. Amillennial means that there's no millennium. These are people who uh, use a spiritual interpretation of the Bible that that. Well, you need me to tell you, I'm the one who studied this, so you need me to tell you that when it says a thousand years, it doesn't really mean a thousand years. That's 
What a millennial. No millennium is what that means, in spite of the fact that it's repeated here. That phrase is repeated six times in this passage. There are those who will say, no, that doesn't mean a thousand years, or it's just, uh, it's just poetic language. Uh, that is what is called a spiritual interpretation of the scriptures, rather than a literal interpretation. What do the words on the page say to us? Is it a spiritual interpretation when it says that God created the world? Is that just spiritual language? He doesn't really mean it. Is, is it just spiritual when he says that uh, Jesus, the Son of God, came into the world to die for our sins? Is that just a spiritual thing? Jesus isn't really a, a real literal person, a second person of the Trinity who came into the world to die for the sins of the world. See how it's just a very slippery slope. Once you get onto that slope, uh, it's very easy to just tear down the rest of the Bible. That's why back in like the late 1800s and throughout the, and really until pretty recent times, the focus has been on the book of Genesis and creation. We need to get rid of that. That just erase that from our thinking that God created the world in six literal days. I mean, that's just, that's so unscientific. And if you can get rid of that idea, then you can just basically start chipping away or casting out entire portions of the Bible. And we're, we're left in a very uh, sticky place uh, if we begin down that road. And so we need to understand that God has revealed himself in his word to us, how ought we treat that? Do we want him to be the author and uh, interpreter of it, or are we going to sit above him and tell ourselves and others what God means when he says that he died for the sins of the world? Now, is that the world of the elect, or is that everybody? Well, it literally says everybody, so let's go with that that he died for the sins of all people, and that we can have uh, salvation by believing in him, trusting in him. That's what the word says. That's a literal interpretation. We apply that same uh, method of interpretation to the book of Revelation. We see uh, a tribulation period followed by Christ coming again, followed by a literal kingdom upon the earth. And that's what it, the book is about. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. The future events that lead to Jesus Christ physically, bodily coming to this earth. Again, that's the entire point of this book. And it's laid out in our outline, Revelation 1.19, write about the things that you've seen, the risen Christ, write about the things which are the church, write about the things which are to come, tribulation, second coming. We have a chart for that. Isn't that convenient? <laughs> uh, the Bible lays out a very clear chronology of the way things have been in the past, what God is doing in the world today, and what he will do in the future. So he created the world. He chose Abraham to make a nation from because people are sinful and they need a savior. They need a, a book to live by. 
And so God says, I know what I'm going to do. He had all this planned out in eternity past, of course. I'm going to make one special nation. I'm going to choose those people. And from them, a savior is going to come. From those people, uh, the, the world is going to, I'm going to reveal myself to the world through these people. I'm going to give them a Bible. I'm going to have it written down for them so they will know uh, what, I'm, what I've done in the past, what I'm doing now, and what I will do in the future. That's the nation of Israel. He did all of those things uh, for us through them. And then one day, in the fullness of time, at just the right time for the world, the second person of the Trinity came through the line of David, the nation of Israel, specifically the line of David, as prophesied, so that we're without excuse there's no excuse for us to not know who Jesus is and where he came from because God told us where he would come from through this specific line of people, this specific nation. He's going to come into the world. He's going to do certain things. And then he's going to die for the sins of the world, all revealed to us in the Old Testament, perfectly lived out in the person of Christ, that he physically lived on this earth in his first advent or his first coming, and he lived and died on the cross for our sins, rose again on the third day as prophesied about in the Old Testament. If we don't understand that, we don't know our Bibles well enough because that's what it says in the book of Acts and, and Jesus himself walking on the road to Emmaus with the, uh, with the apostles there. He didn't uh, pull out you know, the book of Romans and reveal himself in the book of Romans to them. It says he, he illuminated the scriptures to these people. That's the Old Testament to show them where he is in that Bible and how he fulfilled all of those things. And then after Christ returned to heaven, we have the church age that began in Acts chapter 2 with the coming of the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised that when he left the earth, he would send the comforter, uh, John in the upper room, John 14 through 16. That, that happened in Acts chapter 2. That's why we say the church began in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit came to believers for the first time. And we're living in that today. This is us today. And then that's going to end with the rapture of the church. That, the, this church age or dispensation you may hear of the church will a end with the rapture of the church. And then sometimes subsequent to that, this tribulation begins. The rapture doesn't start the tribulation, but it begins with a, a, the first seal from the book of Revelation. We saw the tribulation begins with that first seal. It lasts for literally seven years, ends with the seventh bowl and the second coming of Jesus Christ to the earth. Revelation 19, the tribulation will end when Christ comes to the earth. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven holding the key of the abyss. Satan will be bound for 1,000 years. Uh, and then in, he won't deceive the nations any longer until the 1,000 years are completed. Then he'll be released for a short time. Then I saw those who had been beheaded. They will reign for 1,000 years, it says in verse 4. 
Uh, verse 6, Blessed and holy is the one who has part in the first resurrection over these. Second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Verse 7, When the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison and he will deceive the nations one final time. And then the great white throne judgment will happen. Uh, at the conclusion of the thousand years, and then we move into the eternal state in a world where there is no sin, there is no uh, judgment left. The judgment has been completed at uh, the great white throne judgment at the end of the thousand years. And for eternity, according to Revelation 21 and 22, we will live with God in perfect fellowship perfectly the way that he designed it to be as life was in the garden for Adam and Eve, but there will be billions of us living in perfect fellowship with God forever. That's the way he created life to be. And according to the scriptures, this process is the way that he is going to make it so that we can live with him forever uh, in the eternal state described in Revelation 21 and 22. So notice, again, the events of chapter 20. This angel descends. Then Satan is bound for 1,000 years. The saints will reign for 1,000 years, just as it says also in Revelation 5.10. This promise has already been made to you and me if we've believed in Christ. Uh, Revelation 5.10 says, You have made them that the them is us there, to be a kingdom and priest to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. They will reign upon the earth, it says there, not reigning in our hearts in some kind of spiritual way, uh, reigning in heaven. No, you, No, it says they will reign upon the earth. Plain reading, there's no other interpretation that really makes any sense other than believers reigning upon the earth here in Revelation 20. It tells us that that will last for 1,000 years. And also that Satan will be at the uh, end of the thousand years. He's released for a short time and then he is doomed to the lake of fire for eternity, same lake of fire that was mentioned for the Antichrist and the false prophet. So the, uh, the unholy trinity, if you will, are the first beings to be cast into the lake of fire. The Antichrist, the false prophet, and Satan himself will reside in the lake of fire before any, any other person is there. And then, verse 11 of Revelation 20, it says, that same word, Kai, then I saw a great white throne come and God is on it and he judges all of those who have not believed. They're judged according to their works because they have not believed. That's your choice. As we mentioned in Sunday school, we're created in the image of God. We have a choice. You can either trust in the work of Christ that he did for you on the cross for your sins that 
Christ took all of the sins of the world upon himself. He did all of the work in shedding his blood for them. You can trust in that, or you are free to trust in your works. And as it says right here, uh, uh, in verse 13, yes, verse 13, uh, the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them according to their deeds. So if you think your deeds can stack up with Christ's one deed on the cross to satisfy God, then that is your choice. That's your decision. You have one or the other. Uh, there's only two options here. Trust in Christ and what he did for you, and you can enjoy eternal life, literally eternity with God in perfect fellowship, the way he created life to be, Revelation 21 and 22. Or you can trust that your works are good enough uh, to match up with Christ and what he did for you and hope that that gets you into heaven to satisfy God. And I'll give you the answer. I had, a, had an instructor in flight school every time that he, he was saying something that was going to be on the test, he'd stomp his foot and say, oh, write that down. Here's the answer to the test. Your deeds aren't going to be good enough. They're not going to match up to the righteousness of Christ that he gives to you through trusting him. That's the answer. No works, only trust in Christ. Then you will enjoy eternal life. Otherwise, you're going to end up at this great white throne judgment at the end of the thousand years, and you will be cast into the lake of fire for eternity rather than living in the new heavens and the new earth with God himself. The entire book of, tribu of, uh, of tribulation, of revelation, is a sequence of events that is not unlike what we are seeing here in Revelation 20. We've seen that from the beginning, that this tribulation period literally understood is seven years of God's wrath being poured out on the earth that are kind of set up, not even kind of, they are set up as a series of signs so that people will know that what these crazy Christians were talking about before the tribulation is exactly what is taking place. That's part of the reason why I wanted to do the book of Revelation, so that there's a record Maybe, God willing, this will still, uh, this record that we've made of studying this book verse by verse will still be available for people in the tribulation period and they can go back and, and listen to this and see, oh, yeah, that first seal, that rider on the white horse, oh yeah, yeah, I remember when that happened. This guy came offering a, a fake peace or offering peace, but it was fake. Because just a little while after that, he unleashed war on this world. Well, that, well that's the first two judgments. And then there was a, a giant economic downturn. That's, that was that third judgment. Then people started to die like they've never died before. Will you think COVID was bad? No, the fourth seal will be death on an unprecedented scale. And then, yeah, if memory serves, there was a period of time where there was intense uh, martyrdom of believers because of 
the, the word of God and their testimony of Jesus Christ. They died in massive numbers. They were beheaded. And then you remember the earthquakes and the sign and the, the signs and the sun. Remember when the sun was darkened in the middle of the day? Not because of an eclipse, but because God did it. That's the sixth seal. And then things started to get even worse with the trumpet judgments after that. Sequential uh, judgments that happened. And then remember at the midpoint of the tribulation that the Antichrist set up that statue uh, in the, the temple that's in Jerusalem for the whole world to worship him? Oh, yeah, that literally happened. And then the judgments got even worse with the bowl judgments being poured out. And there was uh, a mark that people were required to have. And all of these uh, events that are literal events that are acting as signs so that people will know that Jesus Christ is coming again and the time is getting closer and closer and closer. And that's why we take time to study some of the events that are going on in the world today that are setting the stage for these uh, events to take place. Like, for example, uh, Russia, Iran, and Turkey coming together in a conglomeration of nations that will invade the nation of Israel. Uh, kind of sounds a lot like the second seal to me. I, I'm not, uh, <laughs> don't want to say that's what you have to believe, but it sure does seem like it. Uh, Surveillance state. There's no doubt about the fact that during the tribulation period, the Antichrist is going to have a complete grip on uh, the world and the economy, that you can't buy or sell anything without having a physical mark on you, the mark of the beast. That's what's described there. So when we see uh, things like people being required to have a vaccine, to have a certain job, people needing to have a vaccine to go into uh, certain buildings and these kinds of things. That doesn't mean that we believe that the COVID vaccine is the mark of the beast, but people are most certainly being conditioned for what we see in the midpoint, at least in the midpoint and on of the tribulation. People being required to take a mark or they will die. That stage is being set today. The book of Revelation is very uh, sequential in its events that are taking place. And so when we come to this and we say that, the, that this is a literal 1,000 years upon the earth as it's described here, uh, and Christ is coming again before this 1,000 years happens. That's the plain sequence of events here. Christ comes again in Revelation 19, and then there's a thousand, a 1,000 year kingdom. That's what's known as premillennialism because Christ is coming again before the kingdom. Here he's coming again, then the kingdom. So that's premillennialism. Others who interpret the Bible very differently, use a different method of interpretation, come to very different conclusions. And so we created this chart with the errant millennial views or views of the millennium that aren't in accordance with Scripture. 
I wanted to call them heretical millennial views, but I, I got uh, counseled that, that there's a better word for that, and it's errant. It still means the same thing. They're wrong. These views about the, the millennial uh, time period are wrong. This first one is, is fairly close. It's, it's okay. Uh, well, I don't even know if I'd say it's okay because it, it's partially, it would be a C minus, I'd give it. It's partially correct, very incomplete in their understanding of how to apply a consistent literal interpretation to the Bible, and it, they chose the very spiritual term of historic premillennialism uh, because they want you to feel like if you don't believe in this, you're going against the history of the church and the, the traditional view, and that's, that's not the case. It is historic since a guy named Augustine came up with uh, uh, kind of a, a scheme. It's a conglomeration of views, but this historic premillennialism was unheard of uh, before uh, around the time of, of Augustine. And so what it, what it is describing here is that there is a tribulation period, but the rapture and second coming, that's all one event that happens when Christ comes again. And then there's a literal millennium. But the problem is that, that this view is, is prevalent among uh, what is known as replacement theologians, those who think that the church has replaced Israel. So they misunderstand the purpose of the tribulation, and they're going to tell us that the church is going to go through the tribulation, even though, as we have seen, the tribulation really doesn't have anything to do with the church. This is God's wrath being poured out on the earth. It is God uh, doing everything he can to get the nation of Israel to believe in Christ, because that's the condition that will bring him back. Jesus said that, said as much. Matthew 23, I will, essentially, he tells them, point blank, I will not come again until you call on me. It will take seven years of God's wrath being poured out upon the world for the nation of Israel to finally submit to Jesus as their Christ. When they do, as a nation, uh, corporately, Christ will come again to the earth. So, and as we mentioned, there's no rapture, there's no resurrection mentioned at Revelation 19. So the, these uh, historic premillennialists are also very often replacement theologians, thinking that the church has replaced Israel, therefore the church will go through the tribulation, will go up and come right back down with Christ as he's coming. They do believe in a literal thousand years and then a last judgment. So C minus. Post-millennialism, F, complete failure. They believe that the church is establishing the kingdom. It may or may not last for a thousand years. There's a lot of variants, a lot of uh, different nuances in all three of these. Uh, but nevertheless, some will believe in a literal thousand years. Most do not believe that it's a literal thousand years, but the church is going to establish the kingdom on the earth. Then Christ will come again at the end. After we've made the world great again, uh, then 
Christ will come again. Completely contrary to what we see happening here in the book of Revelation as the way that uh, the sequence of events, God pouring out his wrath, I I don't see, well, we won't go into all the details, but nevertheless, uh, no, this is not at all based on a literal interpretation. Again, post-millennialism wrapped up in Reformed theology, church replacing Israel, a not a consistent interpretation of the Bible in any stretch. Amillennialism, F minus. Uh, this is a complete spiritual kingdom. These post-millennialism and amillennialism are very closely related uh, cousins, if you will, uh, who look and act very similarly. Hard to distinguish a lot of the principles between these two, post and amillennial, but amillennialism takes it even a step further, and no, it's not a thousand years. It's not literally describing a, a kingdom on the earth at all when it says a thousand years, six times in seven verses. No, it doesn't mean that. It's just a spiritual kingdom. God is ruling and reigning in your heart. Some don't even believe in a literal second coming. Some of them do. Uh, We're kind of in the kingdom now. Uh, Some of them will be, we're in the kingdom now, but it's not yet fully what it's going to be. That's another aspect of post-millennialism. So please don't fall into that trap of the already not yet. Uh, kind of language that, unfortunately, progressive dispensationalists, the the leaders of that, Daryl Bach, fully publicly admits that the idea of an already not yet kingdom is a step towards post-millennialists. He admits it publicly. That's why he did it, to have more fellowship with the people who are getting an F in their Bible interpretation. I don't think that's a good idea. We should not be compromising the truth to be better buddies and be invited to uh, other more popular conferences. We should not compromise on the plain meaning of Scripture in order to do that. So lots of charts today. We'll go back to this one. This is a biblical chronology based on a plain literal understanding of what God has written to us uh, in his word. He lays out a timeline for us. Uh, Christ in his first advent, church age, church is raptured, tribulation period of seven years. Christ comes again to the earth, a literal 1,000 years with us physically in but more in immortal but physical bodies as believers ruling and reigning with Christ on the earth. And then at the end of the thousand years, Satan is released for a short time, dealt with, cast into the lake of fire. Then a great white throne judgment takes place. All unbelievers of all time will stand before God. They will admit that he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings as they are being cast into the lake of fire for eternity, and we move into eternal life with the Lord. Notice also that Satan, so there's our sequence of events, and the first event that takes place in this thousand-year kingdom is Satan being bound. 
verse 2 says, and he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan. <laughs> He's actually, I was thinking he was only had three names there. It's actually four. He's the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan and bound him for 1,000 years. And he threw him into the abyss and shut it and sealed it over him so that he would not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were completed. After these things, he must be released for a short time. Uh, notice first that he is going to be, uh, he had the, that the angel has this key to the abyss and a great chain is in his and this abyss is a literal uh, place that is that the angel has the key to. This isn't the first time this abyss has been mentioned in the Bible. Job thirty-eight seventeen. Job, the first book of the Bible to ever be written, uh, most scholars will agree, says that uh, Job 38, 17, have the gates of death been revealed to you or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? That's God speaking to Job, kind of humbling Job. Do you even know about the abyss where people go when they die who haven't believed in me? No, is the answer. We've seen it in the book of Revelation. Uh, Revelation 1, 18 mentions that Christ has the keys to death and Hades. That's this abyss. Uh, Revelation 9.1, the fifth trumpet judgment, if memory serves, describes the abyss being open and a demonic army being unleashed on the earth to uh, punish people as one of the judgments. So this abyss, it's a real place, and it's a real place that has been reserved for uh, demons upon the uh, angelic beings who ha who fell with Satan, who made a decision to go with Satan when he rebelled against the Lord. Uh, this is Luke 8, 31. That's why, uh, if you'll remember, when Jesus was going to cast the demons out of the man, they said that there was a legion of them. They asked to be put into the swine rather than to be cast into the abyss. They know their future. Uh, that's something we ought to <laughs> realize, that, that Satan knows God's word. He preaches it all the time in, in the scriptures. Uh, the demons know what's going to happen to them. They know their future is to be cast into the abyss. These demons said, oh, Jesus, please don't do that to us just yet. Put us into the swine instead. Second uh, Peter 2.4 makes mention of the demons who were uh, according to Genesis chapter 6, had relations with women upon the earth and uh, they were cast into the abyss. I believe that's who's being released here in Revelation 9.1. Jude 6 makes mention of these same uh, demons. The abyss is a real place where these uh, demons are being kept, where Satan will be kept during the thousand-year period. He will be bound it says, verse 2, And he, the angel, laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. The dragon, serpent of old, the devil, Satan, he's a real being who actually exists. C.S. Lewis, of course, 
is uh, the, the one who made the famous statement that Satan's greatest means of deception is that he convinces people he doesn't exist. And we don't believe in him to our detriment. The Bible portrays him as a very real character, of course, who lives in this earth. His entire goal, Revelation 12, 3 and 9, was to stop Christ from being born uh, in the first place. That's why we see a lot of the events that take place in Genesis are taking place so that Satan in his foolish mind thinks he can stop Christ from being born. Now he wants to stop Christians from having a uh, an impact in the world. Did you, do you ever feel discouraged in your Christian walk uh, and these kinds of things? That could be satanic activity. In the future, he's going to try to keep Israel. He's going to do everything he can to keep Israel from believing that Jesus is the Christ. That's what's described here in Revelation 12. He is the ultimate deceiver. Genesis 3.1 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? See, he's, he's quoting, asking a question about God's word. So there's a nice uh, warning for us to not necessarily believe everyone who is quoting the Bible to you. They may be uh, misinforming you, to say the least. Similar to the way that Satan deceived Eve in the garden. But notice that he is uh, laid hold of here. Krateo is the Greek term. He's literally seized, arrested, He's held, he's bound. It says both of them, both of those terms. He's, the bound is literally tied up for 1,000 years over and over and over. I'm, I don't apologize for repeating it to you because the Bible repeats it to us. So we need this pounded into our heads that this is a literal time period. The, the Greek term for that is kilia, uh, kilia eti is the phrase, 1,000 years. This, I, I'm, it's not a very popular term anymore, but uh, those who believe in a literal 1,000-year kingdom on the earth used to be called all the time as kiliasts or chiliasts, you may hear somebody say. Uh, but it's based on this Greek term, kilia, for 1,000. That's what uh, millennium is based on a Latin uh, term for 1,000 years. Kilia is the Greek term. And he is bound so that he can't deceive the nations anymore. That's the purpose for him being bound. So is there deception in the world today? Uh, yes, <laughs> very much. Spiritual deception is running rampant in the world and even in the church, unfortunately. So it's very obvious that Satan has not been bound today. He is still very much deceiving the nations. As we've seen in the tribulation period, the deception is going to be even more pronounced than it is today. Satan is not bound today. Therefore, we are not in the kingdom today. In any way, shape, or form are we in the kingdom today because the very first thing that will happen in the kingdom is Satan 
being bound so that he will not deceive the nations for 1,000 years. 1,000 years. Over and over and over. It says it here in Revelation 20. And maybe God chose to use this phrase a thousand years so many times here because he doesn't use it anywhere else in the Bible. This is the place that we go to to see that this kingdom period is going to last for 1,000 years. Uh, and we just got to keep moving, so I'll just do it. Something happened there. I don't know what's going on. But the uh, not only is Satan going to be bound, but the saints will reign upon the earth. These are two very uh, clear indicators that we are not living in the kingdom today because Satan isn't bound and you and I aren't reigning upon the earth. Notice verse 4 of Revelation 20. Then I saw thrones and they sat on them and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God and those who had not worshiped the beast or his image and had not received the mark on their forehead and on their hand. And they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Notice the phraseology there. It's easy to skip over that first, uh, really the first sentence in verse four. After Satan is bound, it says, and then I saw thrones and they sat on them and judgment was given to them. So who's the they? Is the they referring to the next group that he's about to talk about? That's not the way pronouns usually work. Uh, and pronouns normally are used to uh, delineate the nearest noun that has just been stated. Here there isn't one. So that leaves us with some mystery about then I saw thrones and they sat on them and judgment was given to them. Nothing that is mentioned in verses one through three uh, tells us who the they is. I think we have to go all the way back to uh, verse 14 where it says, And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. These are the ones that I believe, personally, are being referred to as the they who sat on them and judgment was given to them. There are two, different, there are two distinct groups of people here who are being talked about in verse 4 who are ruling and reigning with Christ for a thousand years. The first group is in the first sentence. They sat on the thrones which were given to them. And then he goes into more detail. Uh, the second sentence there begins with the word and in the NASB anyway. Guess what? That's the same word chi there. Could also be translated. Then I saw souls of those who had been beheaded. A next group, those who went through the tribulation and at some point died because of their faith in Christ. These are tribulation saints. So I think there are two groups here. Believers from the church age are sitting on the thrones and judgment was given to them. After all, that's what it says in Revelation 3.21. Talks about us ruling and reigning. Remember, Revelation 3 is talking about church age 
saints. Uh, the message to Laodicea says, Revelation 3.21 concludes with, he who overcomes, we're, if you remember, we overcome by our faith. I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. When Christ comes to the earth the second time, he will literally be sitting on David's throne. Revelation 3.21, he promises these church age believers that they will sit on his throne the same way that he's sitting on his father's throne now we will rule and reign with Christ for 1,000 years. Revelation 5.10, you have made them to be a kingdom and priest to our God and they will reign upon the earth. Here it is being laid out for us in the sequence in the first sentence of Revelation 4. Then I saw thrones and they insert church age believers there, if you will, sat on them and judgment was given to them. Paul tells the Corinthians, hey, don't you understand? You're going to judge the world. How can you not handle the issues that are in your church? Uh, we see that in 1 Corinthians 6, 2. Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? If the world is judged by you, are you not competent to constitute the smallest law courts? This is the, the believer's uh, ruling and reigning with Christ. Then John sees the tribulation martyrs uh, in the sequence. And I saw that second sentence, or then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God. As we mentioned before, these people aren't being kicked off of Facebook because of their uh, testimony of Jesus and because the word of God says that there are two genders or that uh, men and women should be married, not men and men or women and women taking those sorts of stands because of the word of God. This isn't a cancellation off of social media. This is a cancellation of life, cancellation of your head from your body. It says here, and these people did not worship the beast or his image. There is no beast today, literally, or he might be in the world, but he isn't reigning as the Antichrist. His image certainly isn't in the temple yet. There isn't a temple there. There will be. That's why we talk about that sometimes in our article time, because the preparations are being made for these things to happen. Uh, and the mark of the beast, there is no mark that is being required by the United Nations that you have. Otherwise, you can't buy and sell that will happen in the tribulation period. If you don't take it, you will be beheaded. However, these tribulation saints, uh, when they are beheaded, they know that they're doing it with the promise that they will rise again and rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. End of the verse. And they came to life. That's a resurrection right there. After Christ comes again. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Notice that these people, one of the hallmarks of these tribulation saints is that their actions follow their belief. They are trusting in Christ and then they are not taking the mark of the beast. They are not worshiping the false Christ. Their actions follow 
their belief, very similar to the way we ought to be living today as well. We trust in Christ. We're given eternal life at the moment that we do that. And then he wants our actions, the way that we live, to match the fact that we've trusted in Christ, looking forward to being delivered again at the rapture of the church. Very similar to these uh, tribulation believers. They trust in Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. Then they start walking in the midst of a, of a very evil world where their very lives are in danger, but they, they don't take the mark. They don't worship the beast. They don't uh, do any of the things that are required by the world. Instead, they live in subjection and obedience to Christ, looking forward to this day, Revelation 20 and verse 4, where they will be uh, raised again to rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. Similar to us, but not in the same exact circumstances. These tribulation saints will also reign. We will be reigning with them uh, after they come to life and they will reign with Christ as it is described there. They came to life and reigned with Christ for 1,000 years, the same way that we as church-age believers will rule and reign with Christ. So the devil, the abyss, and the 1,000 years, three uh, very important topics that are under assault in Christendom today that are real, literal, uh, either literal persons or literal events that we disregard to our own detriment. The devil is in the world. He's uh, preaching sermons through people, deceiving people uh, within the confines of churches. Because, and we can know whether or not we're being deceived as if it matches up with what we see in the scriptures. If it doesn't, you're being deceived. That's why I invite you to be a good Berean and, and investigate the things that I say. Make sure that they match up with what the scriptures say because the devil is in the world and he's deceiving people. People are being deceived that they don't believe in a literal hell, a literal place of torment and judgment because of sin. And, and we'll try to couch it in, oh, we just want to be nice and loving. We just want to uh, bring people in. We don't want to scare them because of their sin we just want to be nice to people. Well, that's not being nice. <laughs> Allowing your kid to play in the street because you don't want to be mean to him is not nice. That's uh, negligent. That's mean. It's unloving, actually. You're not loving your kid if you're allowing him to play in a busy street. Uh, some of us may live on dirt roads with no cars. I don't want to condemn that. <laughs> uh, hell is a real place where judgment will take place, and, and we need to understand that. And that needs to motivate us to tell people about Christ. And the thousand years is a, is a real, literal kingdom upon this earth that Christ is going to build. Uh, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. If you're trying to establish a kingdom on this earth, you're working for the Antichrist, not Jesus Christ. There will be a, a one world kingdom on this earth before Christ comes again, and it will be ruled over the Antichrist. But make no mistake, we will rule and reign with Christ, and may our hearts and, and minds be prepared for that time through the 
under study and understanding of his word. Let's go to him in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to look into your word. I thank you for the truth of scripture. I thank you for the truth of salvation through faith in Christ. I thank you that you don't make it complicated for us, that, uh, that, that there isn't a set of circumstances that we have to fulfill and we can just never be sure whether or not we've, we've done enough. I thank you that you've made it plain and simple and we can know with absolute certainty whether or not we are saved because it is entirely based on you and what you have done and whether or not we have believed in it. And I just thank you. I thank you for that assurance of salvation. I thank you for the Holy Spirit who works in our hearts and our minds to convict us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And I just pray that we would be softened to it and be conformed to your image through your word and that we would be prepared to go out into this world to live as lights for you in a dark world that so desperately needs it. I just pray that you would go with us in this week to come, and we ask for your will to be done. In Jesus' name, amen.